Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hello, sunshine. I'm Alexi Lawless, and welcome to the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue-colored glasses. This show will be talking the U.S. men's national team roster drop for this upcoming window, Soccer X, the USL final, the NWSL final, Rapino, Robbie Williams, and so much more. But first joining me, as always, my friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossy, a soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. Mossy, how you doing on this Tuesday, November 14th in the year 2023? I am doing well. And you know, it occurred to me right as Lionel Messi leaves Miami to go represent Argentina in World Cup qualifying, you arrive. So it's kind of a wash start power wise. Exactly. I mean, I am here to fill some very, very big shoes, but I think that I have done it so far admirably. And um, to your point, yes, I am down here in Miami for Soccer X, this uh, yearly convention of uh, the minds out there when it comes to the soccer world. It's a global, real international type of thing. I, I saw Don Garber speak this morning. I'm doing some different panels and stuff like that. And so, you know, a, a TED Talky type of uh, conference and then also all sorts of people selling their wares and the soccer business that is out there. So it's been uh, it's been fun. We've had some good meals, uh, which is why I'm coming to you today, today from Zoom. But the show must go on and uh, we will continue on with the uh, with the State of the Union. So I appreciate you uh, continuing to tune in if there is any type of uh, audio um quality issue out there it's only because i am once again coming uh coming from zoom mossy you uh watch anything interesting since we last spoke well just to show you that i actually listened to what you say on this podcast i watched both the john Gotti and the renee gita documentaries on netflix and enjoyed both it was uh, which uh, the renee one uh the renee gita one was really really I thought interesting in a peak and it's, you don't want, you know, one of the reasons why I find it interesting because one of the things that I wanted to bring up that I watched was a documentary on Robbie Williams. For those that don't know, Robbie Williams, a, a pop star, much more famous over in Europe, uh, didn't quite conquer the U S but the reason why I bring that up is because both of those are these, these introspective types of looks into these figures and they're designed to give us, you know, a, a peek behind the curtain as to who they really are. And anytime you have somebody that is involved in it, as Renee Higuita was in this one, or Robbie Williams was, um, you're going to have it slanted a little bit. And so I'm not sure how clear a picture or clearer a picture we got of Renee Higuita. And I'm also 
not sure how clearer a picture I got of uh, of Robbie Williams. Now, obviously, they come from very different types of uh, type of backgrounds. I I love Robbie Williams as a performer uh, and as a writer. Uh, his two first two solo albums after. Uh, uh after uh take that or whatever he was with uh the boy band that he was with uh what was it uh uh life through the lens and i've been expecting you some incredible incredible 90s pop just beautiful beautiful stuff then he went off the rails a little bit and it gets, it does give you a little idea of the fame and the attention that he had and his ability to deal with it and at times his inability to deal with it but again it it there's something missing. I still don't feel like in either of those documentaries, I really got the full story and really got a good glimpse as to who they ultimately were. And maybe when all is said and done, do we really even uh, do we even care? But still, I, I recommend them uh, Do you watch anything else or do anything else interesting that the folks might want to hear about. Uh, I just finished reading this book, uh, The Lincoln Miracle about the 1860 Republican National Convention, which is an interesting juxtaposition with the Republican primary that's going on right now. Um, that uh, convention obviously ended up nominating Abraham Lincoln. And, you know, the guy who was Lincoln's big kingmaker, there was this judge, David Davis, who really worked on Lincoln's behalf. In the book, they have pictures of everybody. And this guy is a dead ringer for Sean Sullivan. It actually like threw me off when I'm flipping the book and I wow. come upon this picture. This guy looks exactly like Sean Sullivan. It's amazing. Oh my goodness. I'm going to have to check that out. That's, uh, that's interesting, especially, I mean, we are in, you know, the, uh, the debate season right now and they, they keep dropping out. So uh, eventually we're just going to have hopefully a couple of people on there and it'll be a little bit more clearer and concise type of uh, debate and we can get some more answers uh, when it comes to it. Uh, all right, my friend, you right, ready to light this candle? Let's do it. All right. Where should we start here? We are in the midst of the November international window. The United States will play Trinidad and Tobago in a two-legged series in the quarterfinals of the Nations League. The winner qualifies for the 2024 Copa America. Late last week, Greg Berhalter named a squad for these two games. I recorded a short video uh, analyzing the roster. I began by saying, hi, I'm David Bossy. I'm here by myself. And they actually did some research on this. Never in the history of social media have so many people clicked out of a video five seconds into it. Uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, you can go check out my thoughts there. You've had several days to marinate on the roster, so I'll go to you. Uh, what were your overall thoughts? Yeah, well, first off, I will. I, I apologize for uh, for last week not being on the show. It could not be helped. Uh, my wife, who I, I think I've talked about it before, she's an avid tennis player, had a little tennis mishap. She's fine. Everything's good. But I had to uh, duck out really, really quickly. And, and thank you to everybody, including you, uh, Mossy, for uh, for covering and uh, and and dealing with it at the uh, at the last minute. But she's fine. We went to the emergency room. I got to tell you this um, for those out there. May or, they may or may not know. I don't know how old you are out there, but there is a whole phenomenon right now of pickleball. It is like the next big thing in this craze. And so I, we went to the emergency room and the doctor came in and looked at her leg and he proceeded to tell he, he didn't know because she was in her tennis garb. She goes, it's, it, it's a pickleball injury. Right. And my wife said, no, it's tennis. And the doctor proceeded to tell us how the, the amount of injuries that he now sees relative to pickleball and it's, you know, it's in a smaller court and it's supposed to be quote unquote safer when in actuality, what it is doing is actually encouraging older people on a very, very hard surface to put more impact on their joints and to have to, uh, to cut more often than they normally should at that age. So it's actually creating many more injuries, but anyway, that's why I was not there to be on the pod, but thankfully Mossy, you gave your thoughts on the, uh, on the roster here. I think what I would have said, and I will say it now is 
look, these are competitive games and there is something on the line. But but also this is Trinidad and Tobago. And notwithstanding what happened, you know, in Cuba uh, and 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 that situation, it really doesn't matter who Greg Berhalter brings in. The U.S. should find a way in a home and away against uh, Trinidad and Tobago in 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 the fall of 2023 to go through and to qualify for the Copa America. Famous last words, best laid plans. I I get all that. When I look at this roster uh, roster now, not a lot of surprises. Although I'm sure that you mentioned the you know the fact that there are m- missing players, and I look at this as an opportunity as opposed to a woe is me type of moment when you don't have the likes of Awea on one side and a Christian Pulisic on the other side. And we've talked now for a number of years about the wealth of talent and the depth that we have. And, you know, here's an opportunity for us to see others in a competitive type of environment. We go through the goalkeepers. No surprises there necessarily. I think Matt Turner is continued to, going to continue on. I think he's going to play both of these games as he should. When it comes to the uh, the defenders over there, um, you know, Christopher Lund, uh is back in camp, the Palermo player. We had saw we saw him in the last window, so they want to continue to give him a run. Um, but still not a whole lot of uh, of changes. The only um the only MLS player for all of you out there with the uh the tinfoil uh relative to Greg Berhalter and his quote unquote quota uh when it comes to playing MLS players is Miles Robinson. Um, Joe Scally back in camp. When we go to the midfield, and it should be said that since you last recorded Mossy, um, the uh, Johnny Cardoso, your boy Johnny Cardoso, who I know we've gone back and forth, uh, had to pull out because of an injury, and uh, he is not being replaced here. So, um, I, you know, you want, you want me to give you my starting eleven, Mossy, or do you want to have, do you have a couple more thoughts now that you've had a couple more days to marinate on this? No, why don't you give your lineup and then I'll react to that. Okay, so if if I'm Greg Berhalter right here, as I said, this is a competitive game, but you also have to use it. And I think that this is the opportunity to continue with that, quote unquote, experiment, of, if you will, as much as it can be for a player like like uh, Gio Reyna, to play in that number 10 position in in that three in the middle, but at the top of that three in the middle. And so I am doing everything in my power given the players that aren't there to have him play in that position where, where, where I want him to play and look against a team like Trinidad and Tobago, if you were to come up against this type of competition in, in a world cup, which is ultimately where they're going to be judged. I think this is the type of thing that you can have, uh, have happen. Matt Turner, as I said, continues on goal. Uh, Serginho Desta on the right, uh, Tim Ream, Cameron, Cameron Carter Vickers in the middle, uh, and then Jedi Robinson out there on the left, not a whole lot of surprises. And yeah, you could, you know, I, I'm still, as I said before, I'm still not sold on Chris Richards, and I certainly could have Miles Robinson in there for CCV, but I'm okay with CCV uh, uh, in there. In the midfield, uh, McKenney, we'll talk more about him. He's playing really, really well. Musa, who's also playing really, really well, and they're both helping knock on wood. They're going to be uh, in that midfield, and then right in front of them, as I said, Gio Reyna in that midfield withdrawn type of position from the forwards, but really with carte blanche to run the show as he should with that number 10 behind and that as he can. And then up top, it gets interesting because flow Balogun continues on up, 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 um, up at the top of the spear there. And then on the other sides where, where Pulisic and Weya would be. Now you got to make some, they make some decisions here. Um, Brendan Aronson, who, as I said before, I just don't think has developed yet to the point that he needs to, but I'm willing to, give him another opportunity here. So I'm going to put him out there on that left wing. And then 
it gets slim pickings, which is interesting considering we've talked so much about the depth. It gets kind of slim here on who to put out there on that right. And I'm going to go with the guy, another guy who still hasn't quite impressed me. So these might be last chance saloon for someone like Zendejas, who I will put out there on the right for him to cut back into that left foot. He's playing really well from a club perspective. He's got to be able to translate that into the U.S. national team. So that's my 11 months. All right, I'll go back to front. Uh, Matt Turner has lost his starting job at Nottingham Forest. Vlako Dimo started the last couple of games. Remember, he left Arsenal, went to Forest ostensibly so he could be the starter. Any concern long-term that he might find himself spending another season on the bench? There, Well, there's concern for him, a concern relative to the U.S. men's national team. I mean, look, Mossy, I am, I'm not famous for it, but I had I, I coined that phrase years and years ago that form is fallacy. And I do believe it maybe even more so when it comes to goalkeepers. And there is a long tradition of goalkeepers that aren't necessarily starting game in and game out that start for their national team. I just don't see that anything has come along that is better than uh, Matt Turner. And I also don't think that just because somebody else is starting on a consistent basis as a goalkeeper, they are necessarily better than Matt Turner. And Matt Turner has shown no has been no worse for wear coming back when things have not been going necessarily well for him and still starring for the national team. He need look no further than his time, uh, his time at Arsenal. So I'm completely comfortable right now with the goalkeepers that we have, even with a Matt Turner, who is not starting. I, I don't like it. It's a concern for him from a career perspective, but I don't think it's going to hurt the U S men's national team at this point. So I'm good with Matt Turner going on. Uh, you mentioned Miles Robinson being the only MLS player in the squad. So the anti-MLS brigade has really zeroed in on him. And I know a lot of people feel like he hasn't been the same since the injury. He struggled in this playoff series against Columbus. They're questioning why Miles Robinson is still getting called up. How do you feel about that? I mean, they're questioning until, you know, he he makes his move, which by all accounts is going to happen here pretty soon. And then, and then he's not an MLS player anymore. And then it'll be fine that he's getting called up. I mean, look, Miles Robinson, again, there, there are still, I, I guess, other than Tim Ream, there's still nobody that has set themselves, you know, far and away uh, as a starter in the back. And there's plenty of candidates out there. And, you know, I mentioned Chris Richards and uh, and others that have uh, that have tried, but nobody has really stepped up. You still got Walker Zimmerman kind of waiting in the wings. I don't know if that ship has sailed or, or not. I know he's an MLS player, but yeah, I I. I I think that Miles, I think it's fair to say that Miles Robinson needs to up his game and that he is certainly not the dominant player that he was before the injury. And will he ever be that dominant player or will it be dependent Mossy, simply on him stepping on European soil and then everything will be fine in terms of the way that he plays in the midfield? If Gio starts as a 10 in these two games, even with Pulisic and way out, do you think that indicates that that's what Greg Berhalter views his position or it's only because they're facing TNT. And if they were playing a stronger opponent with Pulisic and way out, then he would play Gio out on the wing. Bingo. I think that's, I think this gives them a different look, but only suitable for certain competition and in certain instances. And, you know, you have to be flexible. You have to do different things. And so I can appreciate that Greg Berhalter wants to kind of have that in that, in that tool belt of his going forward. And look, it's Gio Reyna, and he can certainly play that position. And so I think he's going to be fine. 
And then I agree with you on Aronson and Zendejas, two players with plenty to prove. Aronson is really stagnated. Zendejas continues to play well for Club America, who are in first place in Liga MX, but hasn't looked good with the U.S., struggled at the Gold Cup. So I am curious to see how uh, both Aronson and Zendejas look. You know, we took an Ask Alexi question recently about Burhalter giving young players a chance in this cycle. So it was interesting to see Kevin Paredes and Paxson Aronson in this squad. Paredes really coming on at Wolfsburg, scored recently against Bremen. How excited are you to watch those two players? Hopefully they get on the field in these two games. You know, again, this is a very young lineup. And I, I like the fact that there are other players that are going to come up and, you know, hopefully, hopefully start to push. You know, we're going to talk about some uh, some of the youth uh, national teams and the the talent is that's being fostered there. But I, I this does make me excited that there are young players on this roster. But my, my question back to you, Mossy, is, would you, are you okay then with the Brendan Aronson and the um, Zendejas wingers now as those replacements? I mean, that that is a very different proposition for the U.S. and I guess for their opposition when you're taking out Pulisic and Weya, and these are the two that you're putting in. And I already said that, you know, Aronson has not impressed me a whole lot. And Zendejas, from a national team perspective, he still hasn't shown it. So I'm, I'm like I said, last chance salooning some of these guys. Yeah, I'm fine with those two guys starting in the first game. I am curious if the U.S. wins by a pretty big margin this first game at home in Austin, would he then make a lot of changes for the second game and give some of these other guys a chance? Or no, he's going to play it straight and treat both games as if you can't fool around. Well, I mean, as much pressure as we kind of from the outside have, I think fairly so, put on Greg Berhalter relative to the Copa America, they have to qualify. And I think Greg Berhalter, disregarding the, you know, the pressure, I think he recognizes that without qualifying for the 26 World Cup, he is going to need every competitive opportunity that he has. So there is a job to be done. And I don't think that he can mess around in these two games. And it should be said that even if, you know, the soccer gods were to conspire and the U.S. didn't figure it out in these two games, there's still a way for them to qualify. But you want to sort that out. You want to get that done. Qualify for Copa America and know that you have that tournament next summer to really, really test yourself if you're Greg Berhalter and obviously the team that you have relative to 26, which is coming fast and that they don't have a, a qualifying process for. Uh, Malik Tillman in this squad. How about that PSV goal this past weekend? Dest with the assist, Tillman slotting at home. Yeah, I, I thought about trying to get him in. And then again, everything was predicated on Gio Reyna playing in that position. But again, this this is a this is a good option. And if for some instance you wanted to say, all right, it's not working for Gio in that 10 position, let's get him back to, I guess, a more traditional wing position, then you could certainly do that. And if you had told me you can't play Gio in that number 10 position, you you have to play him out either wide right or wide left and replace Wea and uh and Pulisic, then I think Malik would absolutely be in that position. But he just he suffers from the fact that in this instance. I guess he would be behind Gio Reyna. And until Gio Reyna shows that he can't do this at this position, uh, it's it's a nice backup to have if and when Gio isn't there or gets hurt. Um, and we've seen that Gio, you know, isn't always, always healthy. Uh, the U.S. obviously looking to qualify for the Copa America, but they're also going for their third straight Nations League title. And we found out that the uh, final is going to be at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Boy, that's becoming like the venue in American soccer, huh? Well, I mean, look, if you are a betting man, and I know you are, Mossy, uh, you would you would probably not get 
you know, the, the greatest of odds that the final is going of the of the 26 World Cup is going to be down in Jerry World, right? So the more games that they can have down there, the more focus that they can have down there. I think the the better off if you're if you're uh, behind that uh, that endeavor, the better off it's going to be. And it's a wonderful stadium, and it's a wonderful area, and it's going to be it'll be fun to see it. But don't think for a second that it isn't with an eye to what is coming uh, in the future. And the other Nations League quarterfinals, by the way, Mexico, Honduras, Costa Rica, Panama, Canada, Jamaica. Uh, so the four winners will qualify for the Copa America. The losers, by the way, will get another bite at the apple. They then play in playoffs that will spit out two more teams because there's going to be six CONCACAF teams at, at the next Copa America. Yeah, I mean, the U.S. would really have to work hard to not qualify for Copa America. But, you know, famous last words, right? So let's get it done here. And from a Fox perspective that we are televising Copa America, it would be very, very nice to kind of put it to bed and know that the U.S. team is going to be there next summer. Uh, Staying with the U.S. national team, but dropping down to the youth ranks, uh, I am knee-deep in the under-17 World Cup right now, which we're covering on Fox Sports. It's taking place in Indonesia, which has meant some crazy... uh, Uh, hours for me, but uh, I'm enjoying it so far. The U.S. had a really nice opening win, 3-1 over South Korea. The star of the show, 15-year-old Nimfasha Berkimas, who scored two of the goals. Uh, He is a Charlotte FC Academy player, already being linked to Bayern Munich. I know youth soccer is not really your jam, but still, that was uh, exciting to see that performance, huh? Yeah, how's that going for you in the middle of the night there? I mean, (laughs) so you were impressed with, uh, uh, let's say, Nimfasha. Uh, and you know, that's a good thing. And what's interesting to me is that, well, not interesting. I mean, the reality of the situation is when you're talking about players that are this young, some of them still from a pure physical perspective, haven't matured and haven't changed and they will continue to change. And what a player is at 15 and 16 years old is very, very different than what they are in 18, but we know how important youth development is. And so when they are scoring, when they're winning, when there are young players that look good yeah that's a that, that's a good thing but i'll let you deal with it in the middle of the night i covered a game this morning uh brazil new caledonia in which brazil racked up 81 shot attempts in 90 minutes oh my god 81 <laughs> and by the way only one nine nil they were actually quite wasteful and that could be very important goal difference wise in that group one more goal would have really put brazil in a better spot going into their last group game so amazingly enough a team won a game nine nil but was wasteful and felt like they left too many goals uh on the table well it it should be said that you know with with the uh the three one uh win over south korea and then uh burkina faso right Uh, yeah so then and then the game against France. I mean, that's the real one where I think we're really going to learn what these players are. Yeah, the next U.S. game is tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning, FS1 against Burkina Faso. I guess the larger point I would make is that there are a lot of people that refer to this Pulisic, Reina, McKinney, Adams group as a golden generation, which implies that it's an outlier. And people like Matt Doyle are bullish that, no, this is the new normal. The U.S. has figured out player development, and now they're going to just be pumping out waves of players of that caliber like the top nations do. And so watching these youth teams play now, you're kind of curious to see, are there more Pulisic and Reinas coming up? And is, is that the case where the U.S. now is just going to be consistently pumping out those caliber of players? Well, I wonder what that means by figuring out youth development. I mean, is there some magic bullet that, or is it just a matter of trial and error and the time that has passed? And we do know, you know, the amount of resources, the money, and the, the breadth of, uh, of coverage 
that certainly has got to help. But I wonder from a practical perspective, you know, what is being taught or done that is that key to now being able to produce on a consistent basis good quality young players? And we know that it's, it's not all going to end up great. They're not all going to become huge, huge stars. But, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. So I don't know. Maybe we'll have to get Matt or, or others on to defend their claim that we have finally turned that corner, that this is now the moment where the U.S. is going to live up to what a lot of people have, you know, believed it could be in terms of a, you know, a huge producer, just in terms of the size and the, and you know, the, uh, the talent that exists or the potential talent that exists and the ability to mine that, which has taken a while to figure out. Uh, the U.S., remember, qualified for the Paris Olympics next year. So they're beginning their preparations for that in this window. The under-23 team will play two friendlies uh, against Iraq and Morocco. They called up a squad uh, for those games. A lot of familiar names, Gianluca Buzio, Tanner Tessman, Jack McGlynn, Kramaski, uh, Kate Cowell, Brian Reynolds. Uh, I know the Olympics is something that you value. Uh, the U.S. Uh, back in it for the first time since 2008 with the likes of Stu Holden and Maurice Du played. That's how long ago it was since the U.S. took part. Uh, so be curious to see how they look in these two games. Yeah, and this is where I think there is some proof of concept, and this is where I think you can point to where, you know, what it's at, eight players uh, with senior team experience. And, you know, I know that Greg Berhalter has blooded a lot of players along the way, but now being able to go into a Olympic scenario and to have these players, and look, these are, let's be honest, these are second and some even third tier type of U.S. men's national team players. And if and when the decision is made as to who, who wants to go, and then I guess more importantly, who can go, how they're going to use this as a, a training for the full national team. But the fact that there are so many players that are going to be in the Olympics that also already have national team experience, I think that shows where that talent and that depth that we always talk about exists. It is interesting, though. The U.S. qualified for the Olympics before we knew they were going to take part in the Copa America. So at one point, People did view the Olympics as the tournament in the ramp up to the World Cup and they wanted to send the strongest squad possible. And they felt like if they did that, the U.S. had a chance to go really far and medal. Um, and ever since the U.S. Uh, announced they're going to take part and host the Copa America, that's obviously going to be the priority in the summer of 2024. It's very unlikely that any club would allow a player to play in both those competitions. So people are now viewing the Olympics through a different lens. It's just going to be to try out some younger players and in, increase the talent pool depth. So it's, it's through a slightly different lens now. Yeah, but if the team is successful and there are stars to emerge from the campaign, I, I think there is value to that for the individual player and I think for the entire experience of that group. And, you know, if somebody stars in the NIT tournament or if somebody stars in, in, in a minor league type of situation or somebody starring in a quote-unquote lower division, it, it's that you, you, you factor that in. But I, I think when all is said and done, this campaign, this this Olympic campaign will produce, I'm not talking about lots, but it will produce two or three things that actually come good and and can be used relative to the 26 team. Even though, as you mentioned, the focus of the, I guess, the uh, the elite U.S. men's national team members will be on Copa America. That's it. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we will find out uh, what we're watching. No, not what we're watching. We're watching in terms of the, the international window. Uh, and, of course, MLS Cup playoffs that continue to roll on. Don't go anywhere. 
Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Okay, welcome back. Let's take a little uh, look at uh, what we're watching from the international window coming up and, of course, the MLS playoffs here. Uh, let's start over there in, uh, in Comable, right, Mossy? Yeah, really tasty windows, some big games. Uh, Argentina will host Uruguay at La Bombonera. This is the most played international fixture in history. Uh, Luis Suarez has been recalled. He was left out of a couple squads, which made, made people think that Marcelo Bielsa was phasing him out, but he brings him back. Last week in a big Brasileiro match between Botafogo and Grêmio, Suarez scored a second-half hat-trick, which has MLS fans salivating because he's going to be joining Inter Miami in 2024 to play alongside Lionel Messi. But Argentina, Uruguay, this will be Suarez against Messi at La Bombonera. I was, uh, as I mentioned, I'm here at SoccerX in Miami, and uh, there was obviously a lot of Inter Miami going on, including the mayor of Miami, you know, wearing his uh, his uh, his uh, Inter Miami shirt, and uh, and so this this features obviously heavily Inter Miami figures, one that's already there and one that is uh, one that is coming. So, um, Argentina Uruguay, obviously a classic traditional type of uh, type of matchup here. Is it? is it are you taking credit Mossy? you when i say you your brazilian side are you taking credit for i guess this reemergence of luis suarez and what he is yeah because he first went back to south america to play for nacional and didn't do a whole lot there and so you started to wonder if maybe he was finished but uh joining gremio is really he's had a phenomenal season gremio is right in the thick of the title race in brazil and so yeah it has kind of uh reinvigorated his brand, so to speak, and now he's going to be off to MLS and I think doing great things with Inter Miami. I know you're a little uh, on the fence on that one because I know you're sensitive about the retirement league stuff, so signing too many players of that age bothers you. Hey, look, I'll, I'll, I'll watch Luis Suarez. I don't care. I'll watch him till the last game wherever he plays in the ends of the earth. I, I love that dude. I love him as a player and I love him as a character um, and the character, I guess, that uh, that he plays. Uh, what else we got? Brazil away to Colombia that same day. And then Ooh. on Tuesday, Brazil hosts uh, Argentina at the Maracanã. Uh, just to uh, skip back to Colombia for one second. Great news. Luis Diaz's father was released. Uh, very yes. emotional scenes when he was reunited with him. So that was great. Uh, but so uh, Brazil, Argentina at the Maracanã. Brazil has never lost a home World Cup qualifier. It's one of their proudest records. But that is in serious jeopardy here because Argentina is clearly the better team right now. They're flying four wins out of four in qualifying. Uh, they won in their last visit to the Maracanã, the Copa America final, which we covered a couple years ago. So they're going to go in there brimming with confidence. I think there's a really good chance they win and hand Brazil their first ever home loss in World Cup qualifying. So you think they get it done in Colombia, but then they come home and break that historic streak in a negative way and lose to a flying Argentina. <laughs> I'm not even sure they get it done in Colombia. Uh, we'll see. Wow. The, the, the big story uh, for Brazil, incidentally, is we just talked about the under-17 World Cup. There's a player who's eligible for that tournament, but who is instead with the senior team 
uh, 17-year-old Palmeiras forward Endrick, who's considered the next big thing in Brazilian football. He's already agreed to deal with Real Madrid. He's going to join him next summer when he turns 18. Uh, he's been included in the squad. There's a lot of excitement for that. He might play alongside Vinicius and Rodrigo, who are going to be his teammates at Real Madrid. So Real Madrid fans are interested in getting sort of a sneak peek at what could be their front three down the line. And a couple of interesting notes here. At 17, he's the youngest player to be called up to the Brazilian national team since Ronaldo in 94. And Ronaldo made his senior debut for Brazil March of 94 in a friendly against Argentina, while Pele made his debut for Brazil uh, back in July of 57 as a 16-year-old against Argentina at the Maracanã and scored, by the way. And so there's some interesting parallels. here. Now, Brazil faced Colombia first, so he could theoretically play in that game. But if he doesn't and then makes his debut against Argentina, there'd be some interesting symmetry here with two other legends that he's being compared to. Now, you guys are still doing that whole thing where uh, you got, uh, what's his name, coming on uh, later, right, in terms of a coach. So what happens if the, I guess, the interim coach right now wins in Colombia, plays a 15-year-old, then comes back and doesn't break the streak negatively and actually beats Argentina? Yeah, I, I do think if Brazil were to win these two games, remember, this coach just won the Copa Libertadores with Fluminense. There is going to be a sentiment, uh, the more nationalistic folks in the Brazilian media, of why do we need to bring in a foreigner? We have a good Brazilian coach who's doing just fine, just beat Argentina, just won the Libertadores, so let's stick with him. So that is going to get a little hairy. But I think the federation is pretty dead set on Ancelotti. Really? I mean, can you, can you envisage like the possibility of it just goes so well that the the Brazilian Federation actually has to say, hey, Carla, listen, <laughs> we're going to pay you a bunch of money to go away. It's not outside the realm of possibility, but I think it's unlikely they're going to stick with Ancelotti. I will say, though, one last note, then we'll move on. Brazil continue to shoot themselves in the foot. They once again did not call up Lucas Paqueta, that midfielder who I told you was involved in that betting thing and the investigations yep. going on right now. But West Ham don't mind continuing to play him. He's been absolutely brilliant in the Premier League this season. But Brazil, for whatever reason, decided they have to make some principled stance and not call up the guy who's their best midfielder, who's their most versatile midfielder, who would present all sorts of options uh, tactically if you had him in the squad. Instead, Brazil is sort of married to this 4-2-4 formation so long as this guy is not in the squad. It blows my mind. It drives me crazy. And if Brazil has another bad window and loses to Argentina, I- I'm going to blame it in large part on Paquetá not being involved and it's going to drive me freaking nuts. <laughs> I mean, we, as we've said before, because we'll move on from this, everybody's qualifying anyway, Masi, from coming to both. That is, <laughs> that is correct. Cup, so that's, that's going to be fine. All right, should we go over to Europe? Yes, we have uh, the last two match days of Euro 2024 qualifying. A bunch of games on FS1. We've got England-Malta on Friday, Armenia-Wales on Saturday, then a triple header on uh, Sunday with Hungary-Montenegro, Belgium-Azerbaijan, and Scotland-Norway. The the big thing I'm looking for is two teams, Italy and Croatia, who are in serious danger of not finishing in the top two in their group and having to go the playoff route, which is scary. Can you imagine Italy after missing two World Cups if they were to also miss a Euros? I mean, but the Italians, they don't seem panicked. They don't seem to worry about what is now multiple cycles of of failure. So, yeah, I can imagine it because I've seen it. And yet for for a country and culture that is obviously so steep in the game and it has such history and let's be honest i know it's a little stereotypical but is renowned for its passion and its emotion relative to the country and to the game this seems to be like this blase type of uh, approach to the futility of late in terms of them qualifying for uh, for trophies now i know the european the european champions i mean that kind of 
you know, shaded it a little bit right now, but they're once again, once again, they find themselves in trouble. I mean, hell, listen, if you're Italy and you can't qualify for 2026, given the expanded field, if you can't qualify for upcoming uh, Euros that are that are there, where everybody and their mother gets into these tournaments now, then you got you got massive, massive problems. And Croatia, right, that, that would be a, that would be a sad way for Luka Modric's international career to end <laughs> if they somehow Brutal. don't make it. Uh, Jude Bellingham's uh, hurt though, right? Correct. Yeah, he's actually missed the last couple of games for Real Madrid, and it looks like he's going to miss the England games too. Yeah, not that they need him against you know the likes of Malta, but I'll be back in LA uh, doing those uh, doing those games on Friday and uh, and Sunday, so we'll be working together, my friend. And they've already qualified, so they really don't need him for these yep. games. So there's no point. Uh, and then lastly, the MLS playoffs. Um, now we're not going to get too into these, uh, conference semifinal matchups because they don't uh, take place until after the international window. So we'll have multiple pods between now and then to really dig into them. Uh, but just kind of, just to kind of set the table, the, uh, round one mercifully came to an end. Uh, a lot of people <laughs> criticize this format going in and those cries have grown even louder. Did you find this round one as tedious, as laborious as everybody else did? I actually, I don't think I, I don't think I did in that I still was excited for the games. But I, I think what was what was jarring was what we saw, sorry, what we saw in the regular season. And, you know, I mentioned that, uh, that Don Garber was here talking. You know, one of the things he was talking about the Apple relationship, and he kept coming back to, you know, now we have our games on Saturdays. Everybody knows, and it's in that window. And I got used to watching games on a specific day, and they all happened and it, there was a there was a real ritual and there was a real consistency as to what what uh, what is happening. And then we fly into this playoff situation where it's all over the map and no, no, there is no real consistency in terms of how many days between games. Um, and so I get it. I get why people are a little are, are scratching their heads and some screaming and yelling when it uh, when it comes to it. Yeah, I, I think it was. I don't know if it was ill-conceived because I think they there's there are the best laid plans and the best in intentions and certainly from a financial perspective adding more games I I get why that is done but I don't think that it I don't think that it enhanced the play I don't think that it added any drama to what was going on and as a matter of fact you could probably argue that it took some of the drama away but I'm still a junkie so I'm still watching it and I still in, uh, enjoyed it I will say and I will repeat that it did in a certain way, make it fairer as to who ultimately comes through because of the more games, there was more room for error. There was more margin for error that doesn't exist in a one-off game where if you don't get it right, and I know in that within that is, is incredible drama, but if you don't get it right on that one game, that, then it's a problem. And now we're going, we're going back to one game. So it's, 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 it's this strange three game series in between. And in these subsequent rounds, there is extra time. In round one, any match that was tied went straight to penalties. Uh, so that's different, too. Uh, in terms of the conference semis in the East, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, and Orlando, Columbus. And then in the West, Houston, SKC. SKC being the only lower-seeded team that advanced from round one. And Seattle, LAFC. So, like I said, we'll dig into these further in subsequent pods. But overall thoughts? You know, overall, uh, the only ranked team or top four ranked team of the of the conferences not to go through is st louis and we've talked about the fact that it just it did not translate now cincinnati is still cruising and we we've also talked about the fact that historically what are we at like six or seven times where the teams that have won the supporter shield have also gone on to win mls cup so that doesn't bode well for cincinnati but 
They've looked really, really good so far this playoff uh, this playoff run. But they're going to come up against the Philadelphia that we know is is very, very good and understands exactly who uh, who they are. So that's going to be fun. Matt Miazga, as we mentioned, uh, will not be part of it, although he was uh, voted uh, Defender of the Year. But uh, big no no when he uh, went into the uh, the referee's locker room after the game and there was all sorts of craziness going on. Uh, so he's going to miss that game. So that's a big loss, a uh, big loss for them. I, I still think that this, these MLS soccer gods, they, they tend, as we said, not to smile on the supporter shield winners. And I think this is where Philadelphia finds a way past uh, Cincinnati. And so this is where Cincinnati uh, bows out. Orlando and Columbus, man, Orlando is, it's not sneaky good anymore because they just, they're, they're good. Um, but I, you know what? I think that Columbus is better. And I was really, really impressed with uh, the way uh, Columbus uh, was just like ruthless. And I love to see it. Wonderful atmosphere, by the way, in Columbus. So congratulations to them coming through. I think Columbus also, I'm, I'm going to pick both away teams in the East. And then you want to move over to the West? Yep. Uh, okay. Houston SKC, who you got? Uh, I want to go, oh, uh, God, you know, KC is just slogging through this crazy, this crazy season. But I still, I'm going to go with Houston. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with, oh, but then the Seattle LAFC, right? I'll see this one. This one's going <clears> to, <throat> I'm going to go with both home teams. I'm going to go with both home teams, Seattle. Uh, yeah, Seattle over LAFC, Houston over Sporting KC. So both away teams in the East and both home teams in the West. What about you? Uh, I'm going to go Cincinnati and Orlando in the East. Okay. And then opposites on that. Yep. And then I'll go SKC and Seattle in the West. SKC. All right. So, okay. I'm I'm on the Seattle bandwagon only because I went there recently. I loved it. Great city. Oh, yes. I got it. I got it. Well, look, uh, we will be watching. And as you mentioned, these are one game affairs. So we're back to the drama of one games, but there is extra time to be played. And then obviously if it goes, if it continues to go uh, into, uh, into penalties and that'll be, uh, that'll be next weekend. So like I said, we'll talk a whole lot more about that as we, uh, as we go forward. And again, they're all just kind of sitting around at home. And if they're not on international duty, they're training and figuring it out and looking ahead. And again, <laughs> these, these crazy uh, periods of time between games, anything else, Mossy? That's it. All right, let's take another quick break. When we come back, it's time for ask Alexi. Getting ready to take on spring. Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more right now save $30 on the American made steel FS56 RCE trimmer real steel the FS56 RCE is made in America of US and global materials offer valid through June 16, 2024 see participating retailer for details okay welcome back it's time for Ask Alexi that part of the show where you send in your comments questions and concerns and uh, if you're doing it over there on the uh, social media platforms keep in mind that our handle is SOTU with Alexi uh, use that hashtag Ask Alexi if you will also if you want to call in to our State of the Union podcast hotline that is 657-549-2297 657-549-2297 what do we got this pod Mossy? we begin with an X question MPD 210 says, what do you think about CBS obtaining rights to USL and even broadcasting a few games nationally on CBS? 
Yeah, so I think that this is, you know, on the surface, great. Uh, it's great for USL uh, and great for the USL championship. And it's great for soccer because, you know, once again, we have professional soccer and it is, as we said, time and time again, not for the faint of heart. And it's a difficult uh, labor of love, but it is still a labor when it comes to putting together leagues and putting together teams and honestly keeping them together historically. And so when you have people that want to pay you for your product in the broadcast sense, that is a good thing. You're also associating yourself with someone that has stepped up in terms of CBS sports and what they want to do and has said, we want to be in the soccer space. And you are linking and associating yourself with, um, with all of the soccer, uh, that they do. And you know, the champions league and all that kind of stuff. That's a good, good, I guess, soccer family to be part of. If you are, if you are USL, it remains to be seen again, what it's going to look like from a production standpoint, which is always, you know, very, very important, um, for all of these, uh, for all of these leagues. And I think in particular for USL as to what their aspirations are, uh, shout out and congratulations, uh, to Phoenix rising. They topped uh, Charleston Battery three to two on penalties. Uh, they went into Charleston and won the championship as uh, the champions of USL championship. So, uh, so from a soccer perspective, it was a great game. But I watched that game, and the optics of it were were not great in terms of the way that the field looked and the box that the product was was put in. And so, it'll be interesting as they continue on as to what the production ultimately looks like of usl there's only so much that you that you can do and there's a bigger challenge i think for usl as they go on in terms of their stadiums and again that box to put the product in and mls a long time ago recognized and focused on soccer specific stadiums and i think usl and nwso uh, for that matter which we'll talk about later they really have to look about uh, look at what their product looks like on television and the quality of it, the production uh, of it, and that box that they are putting their uh, their product in. But this is a this is a wonderful thing. It's not only wonderful for USL. I think it's just wonderful for soccer in America. So America. So congratulations to USL not only on a successful uh, season, but also on the good things to come with regards to the uh, the partnership with CBS. Uh, next up, we have a voicemail. Let's take a listen right now. Hey, this is Mike from Cincinnati. Alexi, I know you talked about the Supporter Shield versus MLS Cup championship a lot. So I have a different way of asking this question. Say you were a scout for like a team like Dortmund overseas, and FC Cincinnati just won the Supporter Shield with the help of a player that you were scouting and performed consistently well all season. But then what? During the MLS Cup, let's say this player completely flops, uh, succumbs to the pressure of playing in the tournament. Would that result in the tournament make you look differently upon this player or not? All right, thanks, and have a good day. All right, thank you, Mike from uh, Cincinnati. It's a great question. Um, and, you know, the, the evolution of scouting just in general, and I think maybe in all sports, um, is is a fascinating thing to look into in terms of, you know, what is looked at 
and you know the parameters that you have, the length of time that you scout a player, how you scout a player, um, the attributes that you are looking for often. And they are different sometimes from scout to scout and even you know from team to team, obviously, but even from scout to scout. And these are humans. And with the, uh, with the advances in technology, bringing in technology and doing all that kind of stuff, um, to, to answer your question directly, would it change my assessment of a player? If they, after an incredibly successful season that we were tracking them uh, as a potential player to come on my team or to buy a player, for example, uh, and then they hit the bed when it came to a playoff situation, uh, would it change my assessment? Not, not completely, but it absolutely would factor in because I would want to know, was this a situation where this player is really good on cruise control when the day in and day out, or I guess week in, week out games come he or she is able to perform. But then when you get to a knockout type of situation, or let's be honest, just a situation where the the drama and the pressure is ratcheted up, they fail to be able to deal with that. Yeah, that would be something that I would be concerned uh, concerned about. But I'd also recognize that, you know what? I, I am buying this player uh, and I need this player to function at a high level for a long period of time. And if this player had done so, and then just got to the playoffs, it would just be, it would just be another data point. I think it will, but I don't think it would, that would be the thing that I would look to and say, that's why I did, or I guess why in this instance, why I didn't want to have that player because they couldn't, uh, they couldn't figure it out, but it gets into a bigger question, Mossy. And I'll, and I'll turn this over to you about the potential of the U S market and how much focus and, you know, how many scouts exist day in and day out places uh at you know big games and small games at all different levels men and women um and uh really assessing what these players ultimately are and they all have their own way of uh of going about it yeah the eintracht frankfurt ceo uh axel hellman had an interesting quote recently uh tom bogert uh tweeted this uh he he mentioned that the u.s is now the number one market for them in terms of scouting he said he expects that market to explode in terms of talent so yeah european clubs are taking notice of what's going on here in the u.s yeah and and you know sometimes they'll let you look behind the curtain as to as to what you want and and you know so what you, sometimes must you know you'll go out and you'll watch a game and you can recognize what the good players are um but there's also sometimes where you have to see a player on a continual basis and you will see traits and you will see behaviors uh, and you will see, you know, inclinations that develop over time. And some of them are good and some of them are bad. And just because you see a player once and that player is good or bad doesn't mean that the next game you come back, that can't that player can't be the opposite of what you what you saw. And so the good scouts out there have a real informed type of database. And it's one that is based off not just one game, sometimes not even just one season. I mean, the real high-end types of scouting networks are are going season to season. And sometimes it's been multiple years that they will have been tracking these uh, these types these types of players. But so ultimately what it comes down to, Mike, is that if and when you see a player in this MLS playoff season and they don't play well in the uh, in the playoffs. Even if I'm a, another MLS team that obviously plays in a in a in a league that has playoffs, I, I would still I'd I'd still look long and hard at that player, and I don't think that it would change as much about 
how much I like or don't like this player as as you uh, as you might think. But within any type of scouting, uh, you know, I guess profile is the ability to handle pressure. And if and when that happens and that player isn't there, then that is absolutely going to be noted. I do think uh, one thing that European clubs find appealing about American players is they're still generally undervalued from a financial standpoint. You contrast that with Brazilian players, which is the other extreme. A Brazilian teenager plays like five good games and he's worth 20 million euros. Um, So I think you can find good value and better bang for your buck, perhaps, by signing American players. And this gets into, you know, sometimes the, the, the push and pull, or I guess the tug of war, if you will, that is only going to be going to become more so mossy because as more and more talent is scouted and if that talent is already playing and therefore already you know part of a of a system or part of a league there's going to have to be a transfer fee and if mls let's take mls for example says you know what we know that you are coming over here and getting these players or attempting to get these players because you know that you can get them cheap like you said and if mls says no, because we know what they're charging down in Argentina. We know what they're charging down for Brazilian players. And yes, you want to kind of prime the pump, but you also don't want to get taken advantage of and not maximize the profits on this investment that is this player. And in many cases, these players, you have invested time, you have invested money and resources, sometimes many, many years playing in an academy program, and then you're supposed to get paid back and by doing so have a proof of uh, uh you know, proof of concept in terms of your development. And if you just give them away for what you don't feel they're worth, then that could in and of itself become a problem. But you also risk pissing off a player. And this goes all the way back to the likes of, you know, Taylor Twellman and others that didn't get that move because MLS said, no, this is not, this is not the right business move for us to make in this, this time. And it can get really kind of sticky very, very quickly. And those things are going to happen more and more as MLS and other leagues in the U.S. recognize that, yes, there, are, there is gold in them, there are hills that, that not only the U.S., but now the world wants to mine. But you can't just go in and take it without paying a fair market price. That's Anything it. else, Mossy? Nope. All right, let's take, a, let's take another quick break. When we come back, we will finish out this show, and I'll give you my one for the road. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, welcome back. It's the end of our show, and at the end of each and every show, I give you my uh, one for the road, uh, and this one deals with the NWSL final. So congratulations are in order to uh, Gotham with their 2-1 to win over the rain. Uh, many of you saw it. Actually, over 800,000 people saw it. Wonderful numbers, 817,000 to be exact. Watch the NWSL final that, like I said, saw Gotham win over the rain. Gotham going from worst to first. So congratulations to that organization for finding their way back to uh, to the top and uh, and winning. Also, congratulations to uh, some legends who are bowing out. Ali Krieger in the, uh, in the form of a title with Gotham. And, of course, uh, Megan Rapinoe whose uh campaign in the final uh did not did not go well 
few minutes into the game, unfortunately, she suffered uh, an an injury and had to go off. And so, you know, not a great last year and last year of a career for Megan Rapino, but she's going to be just fine. And I'm really interested to see ultimately what uh, Megan Rapino does when she stops kicking the ball, which he obviously uh, has with uh, with this game. Uh, it was sad to see in terms of uh, the injury. A lot of people out there, actually, unfortunately, because of how polarizing she has become out there, uh, almost reveling in it. And look, you know, while I've said time and time again, I, I disagree vehemently with a lot of the things that, that Megan Rapino says and the things that she uh, necessarily believes, and we can civilly and respectfully dis- disagree on them, but I don't want to see anybody uh, anybody get hurt. And uh, so it was a it was a sad way to see her end. What has been a brilliant brilliant career and like i said with the platform and let's be honest the power that she has i think she's going to have a lot of opportunities off the field and i'll be interested to see ultimately where this next act in her life takes her with all that she has already done and with all of that cachet that uh that she has but ultimately this showed that nwsl when it comes to professional soccer not just women's professional soccer, but just professional soccer in the United States continues to grow, continues to get bigger. And for, you know, the likes of Megan Rapinoe's and the Alley Kriegers that have worked on and off the field for a long time, they have established something that looks pretty good right now and only is getting bigger with expansion and with new stadiums coming on, uh, coming online. And it is headed in a positive and upward uh, trajectory when it comes to soccer. And as I said before, I don't care if it's men's, Women's are co-ed naked. If people are kicking a soccer ball out there, I will talk about it and I will celebrate it. And so congratulations to the NWSL and on yet another successful uh, successful season. Onward and upward to them and uh, to Ali Krieger and to Megan Rapinoe. Thank you for everything that you have done and best of luck going forward. There is life after kicking the ball. I am here to attest to that. Mossy, anything before we go? Yeah, one thing on Rapino. I thought that God comment, she said, she was joking. It was kind of a throwaway line. So I thought even that uh, some of the criticism was unfair. People made too much out of that. What did you think? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't look to Megan Rapino for any spiritual advice <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. And she can believe or not believe in anything uh, ultimately, uh, ultimately that she wants. And, and, you know, as I said before, uh, you know, the way that she has positioned herself, she, she knows that, the things that she is saying, the things that she means, and unfortunately for her, the things that she doesn't mean even at times are going to be armed, that are going to be used against her. And, you know, the way, you know, that, that like I said, you know, during the World Cup, the, the way that she has built her brand is incredibly polarizing. And with that comes criticism, some of it fair, but also some of it that is that is beyond that is beyond the pale, and but she's a big girl; she'll be fine. I don't uh, I don't worry about her uh, worry about her going forward. But it is kind of the end also of uh, you know of a of a generation. And when it comes to the national team going forward, look, let's be honest. There's a lot of people that will say you know don't let the door hit you on the way out. And this is the end of a chapter and the beginning of something new. And I think a lot of people are looking looking forward to watching this national team going forward now uh, under Emma Hayes and without Megan Rapinoe. And that's just 
that's just the way that, like I said, her brand has been manufactured. And um, hopefully we get back to a point where people are watching this women's national team and they're watching it because the focus and the sole focus is on winning and being the best that they possibly can. And that not just some people want to watch it, but everybody gets into it and wants to celebrate and watch this team going forward. Because when that happens, it's a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. And it's fun to see. And unfortunately of late, that has not been the case. So we'll see. And then last, last thing on the topic of women and injuries, uh, I would like to wish your wife a speedy recovery. Uh, hopefully she gets Thank back you. on her feet soon. She's good. I will, I will tell you this, that, um, so she's okay. She doesn't need any surgery or anything like that, but they did send her home with, uh, with some crutches crutches. And while she is a huge Ohio state fan, uh, as we've talked about before, she's also a huge Detroit lions fan. So she's in like, you know, uh, paradise right now with what's going on. So the Detroit Lions came to uh, Los Angeles this past weekend and played against the uh, the L.A. team. I can't remember what their names are, but uh, over there in that uh, in SoFi, the Chargers. Sorry. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, producer Sean. Uh, so she, she and her friend, who are big Lions fans, not only went to the game, but they decided to use her injury to get rock star parking and <laughs> to have her wheeled in in on a wheelchair with her crutches and go ahead ahead of everybody in line so my goodness she's uh, she's milking it for all it's worth but she's good she's uh, she's good and she'll be back eventually back and uh, and playing but uh she was in a lot of pain there for a while so but i appreciate it i will pass it along and i and i should say mossy that uh, already walking around here at soccer x in miami i i i've lost count now of the people that have come up again and have said, I love the pod. I listen to the pod. Please say hello to Mossy. So again, your reputation precedes you uh, here in Miami. You are a big, big star as you are all over the place. And there's a lot of people out there that listen to the State of the Union. So if I if I met you here at, at Soccer X, uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Continue to rate. Continue to subscribe. Continue to download. You have something else, Mossy? I'm sorry. No, no, that's it. Okay, it sounded like you. It sounded like you wanted to say something. And God forbid, you know, I don't don't <laughs> let you get it all out. Uh, continue to rate. Continue to uh, subscribe. Continue to download. Continue to do all the different things that you do. We are so appreciative. Uh, we have video going on, so if you're watching or if you're listening, it doesn't matter. And now you can watch over there on Spotify too. But do all the different things that uh, that you do. Uh, reminder: with the U.S. playing. Mossy and I will be doing uh, immediate post-game wrap-up shows, live versions over there on X when it comes to spaces over there on X. Uh, if you don't have X, it's okay. It will show up in your feed, but it will be a review of what just happened in terms of the games. So look for those in your feed. And if you are on X, please join us. It's always fun to talk to people live, especially after a game and to get their reaction. We'll be doing those both for the home and the away game against Trinidad and Tobago. So look for those on the uh, uh, right after those games happening live and then appearing in your feed. Mossy, anything before we go? That's it. All right. We will talk to you again next week. And until then, oh, sorry, later on this week. And until then, and as always, my friends, from Miami, size the day. <laughs>